is the season of blessings. And uh, I think we all know that the giver of all good things comes from heaven above. Amen. All right, so let me just start with a, maybe a, just a quick prayer of blessing, and then uh, we'll go into the Word of God. Okay, come, let's pray. Father, we thank you that all good things come from you, and all these blessings that we have, Lord, and all the blessings that we hope for, they will come from you. Father, I want to pray for every person in this room right now that, Lord, as we face this Lunar New Year, I pray that, God, whatever this year would bring to us, whether it is uh, any high or low, that, God, you will go before us and you will just pave the way for us and you will protect us, your people. Lord, we need you in every day of our lives and I ask that, God, you will just continue to be with us. Give us the peace to, to, to tie through the storms. Give us wisdom to make decisions and I ask that, God, you will give us good health. All this I ask in Jesus' name. Everybody say, Amen. Okay, so I pick up from uh, last week's sermon um, by Pastor Evangeline. And she ended off in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. And then she uh, passed the baton to this week's preacher, which is me. <laughs> right, I, I was watching the, uh, the recording and then um, she ended off with this. Uh, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom. Then she said, oh, stay tuned next week. Huh? Then lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. So yes, the message of the cross of Christ is not dependent on skill or eloquence or the ability to debate or present the, 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 the arguments, uh, so to speak. Otherwise, it loses its power. The message of the cross is very clear, very, I would say it's very simple, very direct. And uh, today we will, we will see a little bit more about some of the reactions to this message of Jesus Christ and the cross and uh, also some reflections, yeah. I've titled today's sermon, This Foolish Message is Power and Wisdom. Actually, I used a stronger word, but then, because, uh, you know, it's going on the bulletin, I didn't want to be so, <laughs> I, I think foolishness is a very nice word. I, I would actually want to use a stronger word. I was going to say, this ridiculous message, or this nonsensical message, is power and wisdom. And today, let me expound a little bit about that, why I use such a strong words. Um, but let's start by understanding what is this gospel. Uh, it is the word of the cross. And so what is it? What is the writer of uh, the, the letter to the Corinthians, which is the Apostle Paul, what is he trying to get at? Now we draw from just a couple of verses, uh, chapters down at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, verses 3 to 8, we get a clue of what he's talking about. So let me read to you. For I delivered to you, to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Now, in summary, what Paul is saying that is the message of the cross or the gospel or actually translated to this thing called the good news. I'll be using these terms interchangeably throughout this sermon. Three things that Paul wants to bring out. Number one is that he died for sins. Number two, Jesus was raised to life again. Number three, all this was according to the scriptures. Now, Apostle Paul 
And although he doesn't really say it, I, I personally think he is a great teacher. He's a, he's a very learned man. He grew up under uh, the, one of the best uh, teachers of the law at that time. And I think he is extremely smart. So when he writes these kind of things, he always comes up with evidence. And I was looking at this, uh, these last few verses. Actually, there was evidence. He makes a claim and he supports it with evidence, like how we learn in literature class. Died for evidence. Why was the evidence? He was buried. He was raised to life again. He mentioned a list of eyewitnesses. That's the evidence for him actually coming back to life and walking around and people actually saw him and interacted with Jesus. And last but not least, he says, according to the scriptures, the evidence is that it is in the scriptures. You can refer to them, Jesus fulfilled all of the prophecies as written in the scriptures. So it was a very strong case for this message. And, it's, and this is why we think that the gospel is the truth. The gospel is the truth. Amen. The gospel is Christ crucified. Christ crucified. However, that is where the sermon begins in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. We find that there are interestingly two reactions to this message. The first reaction, people think it is foolishness. There's a group of people that think it is foolishness. There's another group of people that think that it is power. Now your reaction or the people's reaction actually is determinant on whichever group of people they belong to. So the first group of people that think that it is foolishness are the people that are perishing. Very strong words here. And then the other group of people that think it is power would be the people that are being saved. So I will speak about these two groups. Firstly, the first group of people think that this is a foolish message, a rubbish message, a ridiculous, nonsensical message. Why? Why folly? Because this message is about Christ being crucified. Crucifixion, to put things in context, was an execution method, yeah? Reserved specifically for criminals. It is extremely humiliating. It is horrific. It is very, very public. Now, today... We might not really understand the, the deep, signif uh, horrific significance of the cross. So let me uh, try to bring this in today's context. Yeah? Now, it is as if Jesus had been cancelled all over social media. And then his execution was broadcasted, broadcasted live on television. Everyone was aware that Jesus was this fallen public figure. Not just fallen, he was a cancelled influencer. I always tell the youth that Jesus was the very first influencer, the original one, and then the first one that got cancelled. Anyway, and he's not just a cancelled influencer, he is a criminal. And here we are, a group of random believers, spreading the message that this condemned person's death was for the forgiveness of sins. Already it doesn't make sense, and if that wasn't enough, Jesus was buried for three days. Everybody knew that. And then suddenly he came back to life, walking around, having meals with people. None of it makes any scientific sense. So obviously people will start to think that this message is ridiculous. There were two major groups of people at that time, the Jews and the Greeks. In verse 22 and 23 yeah, of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the Jews, this is what the Jews demanded. Now, the Jews were looking for this person called the Messiah, and the Messiah means the anointed one. Okay, and in verse 22 and 23, it says, the Jews demanded signs. 
However, Christ crucified, the message of Christ crucified became a stumbling block to the Jews. Now let me explain that a little bit. That this group of people, Jews, were looking for a saviour. They were looking for someone, a leader of sorts, to restore the glorious kingdom of Israel, maybe back to when King David was reigning or King Solomon. They wanted a leader to free them and lead them to victory over the Roman rule. And actually, as a side note, actually the Jews did get many signs and wonders. Yeah, if they were looking at the ministry of Jesus, however, sadly, they were, many of them were unable to identify. But it was just an aside. Nevertheless, an executed criminal was the least of the signs that they were expecting. Not from their anointed one, the Messiah. They were expecting this anointed person to come down and, and, and rescue them. They were not expecting this person that was, became the cursed one. Now why? Because in Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 22 to 23, it says that any man that has sinned and is hung on the tree is cursed by God. They were looking for the anointed one. All they got was the cursed one. How could it be? The Jews cannot comprehend or accept this message of Jesus crucified. The other group of people in, Corinthians, in the Corinth city at the time were the Greeks. And the Greeks are a group of people that are very smart. I think they think a lot, maybe a little bit too much sometimes. We know that uh, the, uh, many of the wonderful philosophers uh, are actually of Greek heritage. Yeah? So they sought wisdom. They wanted wisdom. They were looking for the best idea, uh, best worldview for, for you like. However, to them, Christ, the message of Christ crucified was actually foolishness, folly. It was nonsense. There was no logic behind the message of this cross. Virgin birth, God becoming man, God dying on behalf of sinful humans. Now, why would the death of Jesus become the means for our supposed righteousness? Didn't make sense to the Greeks. And I was reading this and I had a very uh, quick reflection now. There was the Greek and the Jews. How about the Singaporeans? Or the people living on the 21st century? What are the people looking for? I have an answer. I will not tell you. You think about it yourself. But I'm sure the message of the cross would appear as foolishness too. Uh, to many, we have experienced that uh, out there. Well, of course, for the believer, which includes myself, I do not agree, and we do not agree that, about their assessment that this is rubbish. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, and, and, and Reverend John will explain a little bit more next week. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. Because the Holy Spirit is in us. Amen. That is why we can have a different assessment of this ridiculous, foolish message. Now, just the, another point to make here is that we cannot control, okay guys, we cannot control the opinions of others even if they assess this message of the cross to be foolishness. You see, at times, we believers, we might be laughed at, yeah? We are ridiculed, we are made fun of, you know, and I know many of us have experienced this in our entire lifetime just because we believe in this message of the cross. Yet, in light of all this, we must press on. And we don't shy away from this message. We must continue preaching the message of the cross. Now, now why? 
Because faith comes by hearing. Romans chapter 10, verse 14, written by the same uh, Apostle Paul. He says this, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in, whom, in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And then it goes down to verse 17, it says this, So faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Why? Because it is the message of God's power and wisdom. We must continue preaching this message. Which brings me to the next point. The other group of people assess this to be a powerful message. A very powerful message. You see, God's wisdom cannot be comprehended by man. Amen? God's ways do not follow our human weak, lousy wisdom and logic. Yeah? Sometimes people, you know, uh, we always hear, they like to ask very uh, philosophical questions about God, even if they are not Greeks. At times, the uh, answers that our apologetics people uh, are very, uh, very smart and they've thought about all the questions and they've found counter-arguments to, to, to reply these people. You know, at times, the, the answers are solid. At times, the answers are very logical. That's great. However, there are times where answers are not entirely satisfactory. Whoever is asking will never walk away satisfied. They will attend these conferences and they will ask the professors and sometimes the, the answers are just not enough. You see, my response to all this, the defense of the gospel, the, the word is used as apologetics. My comment is this. I want to worship a God that is above and beyond my understanding. I cannot totally comprehend God's purposes and intentions. It is beyond me, and that's the way I want it to be. Why would I want to worship a God that is on the same level as me? He is God, and I am not. And, and we all have to be comfortable with this. Amen. We don't want a God that is on the same level as us. Why do we need a God that we, we have the same brain? No way. Yeah? Now, we go back to the, to the 1 Corinthians chapter 19. It says, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. You see, guys, it is only considered rubbish, folly, nonsense until saving comes into the picture. God used the folly of the cross as the means for attaining victory over sin. How? Well, I don't know about you, but the wisdom of God to me is not folly. To me, it is a very logical flow. I like to do diagrams. If you've heard me preach before, I've once again done a couple of diagrams. So let me share with you the message of the cross and the logic. I'm an internal auditor. Process is very important to me. You see, it begins like this. God created humans, righteous actually, right? And then God looked at the human and looked at me and you. Actually not, we weren't there, Adam and Eve. And then he said, oh, this is very good. We were righteous, we were free. However, man decided, oh, I don't need God. I want to make my own decisions, so uh, I, I, man went his own way. And uh, long story short, sin entered the world, disobeyed God, did a bunch of wrong things. Right? As a result, the penalty for sin is death. 
one-to-one -one relationship. You sin, you have to die. No choice. However, God sent His only Son, who was without sin, into the world for us. Right? And then what happened? That's where the message of the cross comes in. So on the cross, all of man's sin was transferred unto Jesus' righteous body. Okay? And Jesus paid the actual price for all sin by dying. So sin needs to be paid for by death. Jesus took all our sin, went to the cross, he died. Justice was served. Sin had to be paid by death. So we have the message of Christ crucified. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, which is a verse that I hold dearly to my heart. It goes like this and it encapsulates this. It says, for our sake, God made uh, he made him, God made Jesus who knew no sin to become sin for us so that in Jesus Christ, in him, we might become the righteousness of God. And that's where you see the man on the right. Because of the message of the cross, man, me, you, we have the righteousness of God. Now for those that believe in Jesus, all sin is not accounted to you forever anymore because of what Jesus did on the cross. Amen. Verse 24, But for those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, maybe Singaporeans, <laughs> Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than man, and the weakness of God is stronger than man. Another diagram for you. Man versus God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man, and the weakness of God is stronger than man. Let's talk about uh, wisdom. Man's wisdom, you know, if we're left alone, would be what, what we're going to do. We would adhere to the requirements of God's law in order to beat sin, right? However, no matter how much wisdom we use, sin and death would still creep up on us. However, you see on the right side, God's wisdom, right? or rather foolishness, was to give his only son to take the blame of all men. And as a result, what he accomplished was to defeat sin and death forever. Let's compare strength. Man's strength, no matter how hard he tries, or how many methods he develops, you see, the Jews, what they did, they were developing many uh, rules, and adding on rule upon rule in order to help them to keep all these uh, you know, righteous requirements of the law, However hard he tries, no matter what, he will still succumb to his flesh. And all of us understand this very deeply in us. At the end of the day, we still die. However, God's weakness, what did he do? He was willing to die on the cross. It looks weak, right? However, because of his death, he was stronger than any of our human effort. And the result was to destroy sin and death once and for all. You see, in every aspect God's way is higher and better. For those that are being saved, this is the power of God. Amen. And the last piece of reflection is this. We have a calling to consider. You know, the church is the, uh, us, all of us seated here and online and wherever, is the reflection of God's wisdom and power. Verse 26 says this. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. 
but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. The early believers, you know, in the, uh, when after Jesus died, no, were, were not made up of many of the, uh, what you call the high-ranking officials. Not many of them, I'm not saying not none of them, I'll say not many of them are really, were the religious leaders or the affluent or the rich guys or the people of royal birth. Instead, we saw that majority of Jesus' uh, followers and disciples and believers, they varied across many different uh, professions. In fact, in social hierarchies, many of which were not respectable people. Jesus' disciples were people like fishermen, varied from fishermen to tax collectors to ex-prostitutes, ex-adulterers, ex-lepers, homemakers. And then, of course, there were some business people. And we also know that there was a doctor and uh, a tax collector. And there was even some of them were previous teachers of the law. However, by worldly standards, not many were the wise, the powerful, or the noble. Now, Paul is saying that God's calling is entirely and totally different from worldly calling. It is all-inclusive. The message of the cross is for all people in all social standings, Jews, Greeks, Gentiles, and Singaporeans, and, and Asians, okay? And the same can be said of the church today. Not many of us are wise, powerful, all of noble birth, right? Now, why is that so in God's wisdom? Why? Because in verse 29, it says this, so that no human being might be able to, might boast in the presence of God. God created humans, so he knows that humans in our current simple state, we will take whatever chance we get to pat ourselves on the back and say, I did it. It is me. Good job, me. So what happened is that God, in his wisdom, outwitted us. He always does. And he chose to use foolish things to shame the wise. He chose to use the weak to shame the strong. And here we notice that the phrase God chose is being used repeatedly. This demonstrates God's grace in our lives. He, has a very, he had a very clear intention to involve you and me just as we are, regardless of our social status and standing, regardless of our bank account or whatever material things we have. He chose us to be in his plan and in his family. God chose us just to plug in our theme for the year for such a time as this. God has chosen us by his wisdom and all his grace. None of us are here, are Christians, by accident or our mistakes. So the question is, how will we embrace God's calling, God choosing us in our life? And I think this is the beauty of the church, that we are so diverse, that none of us, not many of us, are the wise, noble, or the rich. We collectively demonstrate the wisdom and power of God. Amen. You just look to the left and right of you. All of us, collectively, as the church, and then we look in Queenstown and Singapore and in the region, all of us collectively demonstrate the wisdom and power of God. How wonderful is that? That we are able to flag the Almighty God's glory. Verse 31 says, Let the one who boasts 
boast in the Lord. If we ever wanted to boast, let us boast in the Lord for what He has done in our lives. Today's message is somewhat of a, you know, my usual, I'll talk about God's blessing and God's goodness and God's grace. But today's passage brought me back to the, the, the basic core of Christianity, Christ crucified. And it's a little bit of a, bring us to, a, maybe just open our spiritual eyes and just take a look at the spiritual, you know, spiritual uh, landscape. And that is where the message of the cross is crucial. It's the, for the forgiveness of sins, yeah? But anyway, story time. There was a uh, teenage boy who made a New Year's resolution. Of course, Chinese New Year. No, joking. Okay, what, what is, and to, to start going to the gym. He wanted to build muscle and uh, look good, like me. Uh, so that's exactly what he did on January 1st. No, like, actually, he had a second chance, uh, true E, January 21st. Because he failed, in case you all don't get it, uh, slowly process. Okay, he grabbed his gym bag, hopped on the bus, and then he went to the gym a few streets down. When he got to the gym, he was then greeted by the gym receptionist that looked like me. <laughs> they had bulging biceps, uh, exploding triceps, and 12-pack abs. I'm wearing long sleeve, you can't see. Now the boy thought to himself, wow. Uh, someday I, I'm going to look like him, like that. He registered for the uh, free trial membership. And then he changed to his workout attire. He kept his stuff in a locker. And then with very, very high hopes, he walked out of the changing room and he was uh, ready to lift some weights. Yeah. So he got to the workout area and then he looked around. He was looking around and then he, he saw many people lifting weights. And uh, However... To his uh, utter horror, all the people's arms were soft and flabby. And then three of them were shivering just trying to complete a single rep. And then one of them even had a giant beer belly. They didn't look like me. Disappointed, <clears throat> the boy thought to himself, Oh, there must be something wrong with this gym. None of them look fit at all. I don't want to end up looking like these people. Thankfully, this is a free trial, 30 days cancellation period. I'm never coming back. To many, this is what the church looks like. A gym full of flabby people. But yes, that is exactly what the church is supposed to look like. A group of broken, sinful people coming together in the house of God, united for the glory of God. We're all trying our best to live that final rap. And many of us might not look like we've got it figured out. Many of us have difficulties. We're not perfect. We have broken families, issues everywhere. But that's okay. The thing is, the fit gym instructor needs the gym as much as those flabby people need the gym. They all need the gym. Everyone needs the message of the cross regardless of your life stage or your spiritual stage or condition. There's something about this message of the cross that we cannot get enough of and shouldn't get enough of. It is the thing that we feed on and we need the most. Amen. And why? Because it gives us hope. It gives us assurance. It reminds us of our eternal position in Christ. 
Verse 30 says, And because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Three big words. No time to go so much into detail, but le let me just share with you a little bit. Now, early last year, I went to a counseling, attended this online counseling course, yeah? And then they were telling us that there are actually three big questions that adolescents uh, and people in their trans uh, formative years need to answer, need answered, and actually I think it applies to all of us. Three questions are this, okay? The question about identity, the question about belonging, and the question about purpose. Number one, the first question is, who am I? What is the view of ourselves? Where do I fit? Well, how do we connect with others and the world around us? What difference do I make? How can I contribute to this world, to this existence? Now, Jesus Christ at the cross answered all these three big life questions. And when I was reflecting on this verse, I was like, I, suddenly I matched the two of them together. I was like, hey, actually Jesus answered the three questions, you know. Why? On the question of identity, who am I? Jesus Christ at the cross gave us righteousness. We are, our identity is that we are legally not guilty of sin. With regards to belonging, we have redemption. Redemption speaks about a ransom being paid in exchange for freedom. Actually, it was a term used mostly for the slave, slaves in those days. Uh, and when Jesus redeemed us, essentially we are not slaves anymore. We now belong to Jesus and his family. With regards to our purpose, Christ gave us sanctification. What is sanctification? It means you're being set apart from this world for the glory of Jesus. Three of life's biggest questions were answered by Jesus, and I'm sure many much more questions were answered on the cross. And more than these three, we are also filled with hope for all eternity until the end of time. Let me just give you a little bit more. You just hang with me. Next. John 3, 16 and 17 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. We have a one-way ticket into eternal life, not eternal damnation, yeah? And just one more, if you go, 1 Thessalonians, I love this, 4, 13 to 18, it says, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, also known as the people that, are, that have uh, died in Christ, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Verse 17, Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. In Christ, we have a great reunion. When Jesus comes again, we will be reunited with those that have gone before us. In verse 18, I love it. It says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. And I encourage you with these words today. That we, the believers, for those the people that are being saved, who believe that this message is the power of God, 
we have eternity to look forward to, yeah? A good future ahead. And I bring this to a close. You see, the message of the cross is the power of God for those that are being saved. And what are we going to do with this message? We will keep speaking of Christ crucified because that is what this is all about. You see, everything we do here in the church points towards the message of the cross. I know in uh, this day and age, it is uh, not so easy. We've been trying a lot of different methods. It is not so wise to just go up to people and then shove this message down their throats. You know, instead, we invite people to join us in activities, things like Christmas market, tea talk, engage, 40 events, and so on, belonging before believing. But all this must have a, a very clear objective in mind. It is so that by the grace of God, our relationships, our invitations, the connections that we make, we can create opportunities for people to come and hear about the message of the cross. After which, whether it is perceived as uh, folly or the power of God, now, that's not our job. It is entirely up to the Holy Spirit. And uh, maybe just an aside, for, for people who don't know Jesus and you think that Christians, we, all we want to do is to hit some kind of performance indicator to tell you about Jesus as if it is some kind of a salesy trick. Uh, my only comment is this, it's not. Uh, I don't gain anything from, Christians don't really gain anything from telling people about Jesus Christ crucified for the forgiveness of your sins. The thing is, we, we believe that this is too good a message to keep to ourselves. And we want as many people to come and experience their message for themselves. And that is the only reason why we're telling you. But, you know, sometimes the methods are, might seem a bit pushy, but, you know, at the end of it, we really want everyone to know this message of Jesus. In any case, we will speak of Christ crucified. And that is where all of us have experienced and ex received grace. When our spiritual eyes were opened by the Holy Spirit, we saw the love poured out for us by God himself. God literally loved us to death. You see, when the Holy Spirit reveals unto us, all of a sudden, the death of a king became his glorious coronation. The folly of God's action suddenly became power and wisdom. The irrational decision of Almighty God dying on behalf of lowly sinful men suddenly became man's righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. You see, I know that the Holy Spirit is already revealing this to some of us here today. The message of the, power of the, the cross is power for those that are being saved. I just want to draw this to close and every head bar eye close in this place. You know, I, if that is you and this message of the cross today, suddenly you started to see something new. You started to see that it is not just another message. It is the power of God. In a short while, I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer with me. And, and if, if you've done this, not, never done this before and this is your first time, please, uh, you know, your life will never change again. Uh, your life will change for the better. It will never be the same again. And I urge you to just share this with someone, a pastor or another Christian friend. And I'm very sure that they will walk you through uh, what it means to have this Jesus to come and live in you and to secure you for all eternity. Now, if that is you and you want this Jesus in your life, may you repeat this prayer after me. And after this, I'll close with a prayer for all of us. If that is you, 
repeat this, dear Lord Jesus, I admit that I have done wrong. I've gone my own way and I am a sinner. I'm sorry for all the things that I've done wrong. But I thank you, God, that you send your son, Jesus, to take my sin on his body and to die on the cross, pay the price of my sin so that I might have the righteousness of God. Lord Jesus, I receive you into my life. I want you in my life and I want to follow you. Thank you for loving me in this way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I just want to pray for the rest of us. Father, we just want to thank you that your message is power, is wisdom, and it secures us for all eternity. Lord, we, have, we just want to worship you and glorify your name because God, it is only through your word that we see life differently, that we have a different view, that Lord, we have a different hope. And Father, we just want to thank you and praise your name. And we look forward to your coming again in glory. All this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.